another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast, proud member of the Full-Time Fantasy Podcast Network. You can find them at FTFPodNet on Twitter and FullTimeFantasy.com, where you can find and hear great podcasts and shows like Jim Day of FF Champs, Adam Ronis, and Dr. Roto from SiriusXM, Bob Lung of the award-winning Fantasy Football Consistency Guide, Anthony Servino of FF Faceoff, and many other great podcasts. That, of course, includes me and Dennis here on the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast. You can find me at SportsFanaticMB on Twitter, and you can find Dennis at Culture underscore Coach. Today, we are doing a little bit of a mock draft Monday episode. Cannot wait to get started. We've got a, uh, I feel like a billionaire joining us on the podcast today. Uh, if you guys follow him on Twitter, uh, you guys will have seen that he just won himself an insane amount of money with daily golf. Uh, they get uh, fantasy. Uh, I'm not much of a, a golf guy, but uh, I wish uh, I was right now with the amount of money that he won. It is super cool for him. We are we're excited to have him on. He is a writer of the Back Row Fantasy Show. Again, a, a great show, great podcast we've had on here. Good friends uh, of both Dennis and Oz. So we are super excited to get him on here. We're going to do a little bit of a mock draft episode. We, we had a mock going, the three of us. We drafted in different spots. We're going to kind of give you guys an idea of our strategies heading into the mock, how our teams ended up. Up and if there's anything we would have done differently while doing the mock. Hello. Mr. Chris Foster from the Back Row Show Riders uh, with us. You can find him at Football Nuke on Twitter. Chris, what is going on? Thank you for joining us today. I'm, a, I'm excited to talk to you. Oh, thanks for having me here, man. It's great to be with you. So uh, as, as we always do when we bring new guests on here, we like to talk to, to you guys, get to know you a little bit, let our audience get to know you a little bit. What is uh, your favorite football team, and do you have a favorite NFL player? Well, I've been a, a Minnesota fan since uh, I was old enough to know what they were. <laughs> all right, all right. And, yeah, and, uh, you know, I think, you know, as far as favorite player, you know, they've had some really good ones, but... I'm going to kind of go with an obscure one here and say, and say Joey Browner, if you're familiar with Joey Browner. He was just a amazingly talented safety for the Vikings. Okay. No, I do not know who that is, but that is that is very interesting. Most people usually go offense, so that is kind of cool to, to hear someone go a defensive player as their favorite player. Uh, what? Uh, how long have you been playing uh, fantasy football and kind of what got you into it? Do you have a favorite format of fantasy? I started playing fantasy football in 1996. Okay. Uh, online, that was one of the first years that ESPN did it online, and it was uh, um, a lot different then than it is now. Oh, I can imagine. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so I've been around a while. Um, you know, picked up a few titles along the way, and uh, I published uh, fantasy football magazine in um, 1998, 1999, 2000. 
Um, uh, it was just locally locally sold and everything, but uh, it was a lot of fun, and you know, I really uh, enjoyed doing that, making that part of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, my favorite format, you know, is is probably still redraft, even though I I do have uh, I pay a lot of attention to. Uh, the dynasty now too. So tell uh, tell our audience what you do for for the back row show. I mean, you you know I'm in a, a chat with you guys. I'm a huge fan of that show. Love Bark, love Arms. Uh, they were the ones who kind of got me started in this as well. Uh, so huge fan of their show. What exactly you do for them, and just kind of give uh, our listeners an idea of what uh, they could find from your account. I, I did uh, reference your your big winnings that you had this weekend if anybody follows you on twitter they'll know what i'm talking about but you can talk about that as well how uh, how uh, how that all happened and worked out for you yeah yeah um well first first of all uh with with the back row fantasy show um it's uh an honor to, to be with those guys uh, uh they really like to have a lot of fun and they know their stuff so I'm, I'm very impressed with how much they know uh you know and uh you know, some of the time you can tell that it's just their gut reaction and uh, to things, and it winds up being right so often. Yeah. Um, it's really entertaining. Um, so what I do is I, I'm a content writer for all my, I, you know, we'll, uh, I'm working on some stuff right now that's kind of you know, going to be released here pretty soon in the next couple of days. But then I also do the, uh, the um, publishing and editing for the other writer, the other writers. Um, so you know, when you're looking at the writers page, there, that's pretty much everything that I do. And then, uh, I, then yeah, I guess yeah, to, to top it off, there, the last thing you said, Matt was I, I did have a pretty uh, exciting time this weekend. I did a little drafting, golf, yeah. and I uh, was playing in the $40, and uh, managed to win second place, which was a uh, forty thousand dollars. Win. So uh, that was by far the biggest win I've ever had, and it was certainly a lot of fun to Yeah, I can imagine. Like I said, I, I've played. Uh, I didn't do much daily fantasy last year, just based on I'm I'm in a oh, just a crap ton of leagues, as as I know you know when when we were talking about that yeah. in the What's Up app. Uh, so. Uh, I haven't had a lot of time to do uh, daily last year, and I think even then the most I won was two years ago, the first week, opening week of the NFL. I think in the one league I brought home, it was like a $10 buy-in, and I think I, I finished like in the top 10 and brought home like 1800 and so I and I thought I was balling right then. So when you posted that on Twitter the other day that you won forty one thousand altogether, I was just like, dude, my my wife would love me so much more if I was able to do something like that. She would not hate as much time as I spend with all this fantasy stuff if I was able to do something like that because she would see me kind of bringing something home. So I am extremely jealous and extremely happy for you as well that you were able to pull that off. I appreciate it, man. You know, I, I a while back here, I. The, the NFL season, I kind of said, as far as DFS goes, I'm either going to figure out how to stop yeah. because it, you know it just takes up a lot of time. So I've been really grinding on, and uh, you know, obviously with a lot of luck mixed in there and a lot of other uh, contributions from uh, from uh, you know, I'll, I'll just mention Ducks Corner because they're awesome, um, and I'm glad to be a part of it, but. With uh, being a part of that, that's what really put me over the top. 
Well, that is awesome. Hopefully one of those paydays will come to all of us who play, but I, I know I can imagine that that's been a long time coming for you as well. Have you played daily golf for quite a long time? No, it's gonna. It's kind of funny because I only started playing daily golf in January. Oh, but it's been worse actually. <laughs> I've, been playing, playing Dyna, I've been playing DFS football for years and never come close to sniffing something like that. Gotcha. Yeah, I remember. Um, it would have been I think last off season because uh, that was the that was when. Uh, Bark and Arms brought me onto the show. I, I had been a fan for probably somewhere. It, it wasn't right when they started up when it was just him and Arms. It may have been like somewhere mid-season in that I discovered their podcast and became a fan of it. And I remember them talking about it in the off-season that you, uh, I, I, you you put out like different stuff throughout the year with uh, with the daily fantasy stuff, right? Like out on Twitter, and they were talking about how you you do good though doing it, right? Like you still do a pretty good job of bringing home a little bit of money here and there, keep you entertained with it? Yep. Yeah, it's, it's a, it was it was a little bit, but it was, it is, just to be clear to anybody that's thinking about getting into it, it is the grind. You, you, if you want to win, if you want to win, you have to put in the time. Otherwise, you're not going to. It, it's extremely competitive, and it's a grind. So you have you have to spend the time. Well, since we're still waiting on Dennis, uh, if you don't mind, I'd actually like to ask you a few questions about that. What are Do you have any tips uh, for anybody who's starting out? Like I know a lot of people told me when I started out not to jump into those huge tournaments that they have right there at the front. Like, the, oh, hey, you know, you could win a million dollars because that's where a lot of the big money players play and everything. Uh, do you have any other tips like that that could help somebody who's just starting out into playing Daily Fantasy? Absolutely. And you're you're right on, Matt. you gotta, you got to start small. Picks, you know, be very careful about the con the, the type of contest that you get into. Um, look and see who, you know, who's entering that same contest. Um, because you can see, like, if the if the if there's a lot of people in there that have uh, badges, and that means they're experienced players. Try to find the contest where there's not as many experienced players, um, and keep your contest small. You know, try to do like if you have a limited budget want to spend five bucks try to find the, the single entry contest because then you're you're playing one lineup against even the best players in the world their one lineup mm-hmm. so you can you can really increase your odds that way um but yeah i would that's what i've been doing is i've been playing the small contest, just trying to build up a bankroll gotcha. and as you you know what you do is you, you as you you start to win a little bit you only put small percentage of that back in, you know, then if you have a bad week, we've got stuff left over to try again. And, um, well, man, you know, it, it paid off for you this week. I can't say enough yeah. about it. <laughs> yeah. That, like I said, that would be a, I, I probably would have a heart attack if I saw that. I would, I'd imagine you probably, that was one of those things where you probably shut down the app and opened it back up three or four times to make sure that you were looking at it correctly <laughs> kind of thing, huh? I, I definitely pulled down the refresh button times before I. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it, it it was a roller coaster ride because like at noon on Sunday I was about five hundred bucks. Okay, gotcha. Man, how much? Yep. Uh, how much was the uh, was the put in? If you don't mind me asking. Uh, that that particular contest was forty dollars to enter one oh, lineup. Man, forty. 
thirty dollars. Wow! But and it, I had built my I had built my bankroll up where I could, uh-huh. I could spend and and get like I bought I, I bought three entries into that forty four dollar gotcha uh, contract. Yeah. So and that was as much as I could spend, you know, and, and comfortably. So yeah, you know, it it, it was just crazy because. Like I said, at noon I was winning about five hundred bucks, right. and then so I just I decided like, hey, you know, if I win five hundred bucks this weekend, that's awesome. I've covered what I put in. I, my total entries were like three hundred dollars. Uh-huh. So I'm like, okay, if that if that's what happens, then great. You know, we we just grind again next week and try. You know, and then uh, so I, I took my girls to the store because they wanted to do some shopping, and and while I'm at the store, all of a sudden. I'm in a I'm in a Slack chat with uh, with the corner guys, and all of a sudden I start getting a few people tagging me in Slack chat, and they're like, you know, hey, is Chris Foster in here? And I'm like, I I, I I'm like, what's going on? You're in second place in the forty four dollar contest. I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> Yeah, that's oh man! I just I, just thinking about that gets me excited, man. Like I can't I can't imagine how much fun that'll be, and and, and the payoff too, because like you said, all, all the work I imagine you had to put into doing stuff like that, it, it's got to feel nice to to finally get a big payday like that. Yeah, my my schedule, uh, for, you know, if you're, if you're gonna if you want a sample of it, um, this is basically what it's like. I get home from work on Monday. Uh, you know, do a few family things, maybe take care of the lawn, and, uh, uh, and then I I start uh, grinding on the uh, on the upcoming week for golf, and uh, I do some more on Tuesday night. I do some more on Wednesday night. Set my lineups, go to bed, and wake up early on Thursday morning to make sure that nobody uh, withdrew before the contest starts. Mm-hmm. Now, is it the so, same? Uh, yeah. Is that the same that you handle the football lineups as well? Yeah, football lineups. You know, obviously the schedule's a little bit different, but right. not really till yeah, really till Sunday morning mostly to get your stuff in. I usually don't play Thursdays. They, there's a lot of variables on Thursday. Mm-hmm. I try to avoid those. Now with uh, fantasy football, a lot of people like in. We'll just go stick with redraft leagues. I know for me per- specifically, my goodness, I could not get that word out. Specifically, uh, I and redraft leagues, I love to double up, as in like a quarterback and like a wide receiver. Do you do the same thing in your your daily games as well? Yeah, yeah. You know, you you know the 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 real. I think the real trick in in DFS football is not only to to get now the quarterback and the wide receiver, but you want to get the quarterback, the wide receiver, the running back, and if you manage it with the tight end that are that are all going to. Gotcha, man. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm, we'll have to bring you back on here before the season starts and see if you can't give us a. Uh... A little bit more help with that, maybe, uh, maybe get me more into it. Because, like I said, I, I used to love doing it, but I agree with you. It's something where I didn't like the very first time that I tried doing it when it really started becoming popular. It was just one of those things where, like, I sat down Saturday night or Sunday morning before the game started, and was just like, okay, I'm just going to throw a lineup together and I'm going to win some money. And, and it didn't work out because, as you stated, you really have to put some time into it. It's not something where you can just sit down, plug a bunch of people in, and you're going to win thousands of dollars. You you have to start small, build yourself up and then you can go for some some maybe bigger tournaments and try and win some bigger money so i'd love to bring you back on closer to the season uh, and yeah. we can talk more about that as well uh, because dennis is is ready to go so we will bring him on here and we'll start talking about that mock draft 
You know, I'm just happy to be off the road and back into my office today. I bet I was so. scrambling oh, getting back here. But I'm here. I'm ready to go now. All right. Well, as we've talked about before, we got into all the daily fantasy talk. We are doing a little bit of a mock draft Monday. So me, Chris... And Dennis did a little bit of a mock draft last week, and we're going to talk about it now. Before I get into what happened, uh, I would like to know... Oh, wait, 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 yeah. wait. Were you, were you and Chris talking about uh, the fee he has to pay now that he's famous to be on our show? I haven't since, gotten since to that Since he won part, so much man. money? Yeah, I is that, that what we were talking? Out. Is that what I missed? Yeah, I left that part out. We, I was going to save that for okay. the end of the episode so he couldn't just disconnect the call really quick. Right on. Congratulations, Chris. <laughs> that was pretty awesome. Yeah, I appreciate that, Dennis. Thank you very much. It was it was quite the uh, quite the experience. Uh, so what I was going to do with this is uh, before we jump into reading kind of how the the draft went and everything, I wanted to know did you did we'll start with Chris and you're the guest, and I'll go to Dennis, and then I'll give you guys mine. Uh, when you came into the mock, did you have any kind of strategy that you guys were going with? And Chris, you picked at the ten spot, correct? Yeah, that's right. Okay, so did you have any any kind of strategy going in, or were you just trying to take best player available? How did you handle going into the mock? Well, you know, I am typically, I will say typically in virtually every draft that I do, I am focused on best player available. Um, in some of the reading and stuff that I've been doing right before we led up to the draft and some of the other podcasts that I was listening to, and heard some guys, you know, talking about the Travis Kelsey strategy, you know, basically, you know, which is basically Kelsey's in his own tier, you know, and you can, but, but if you want to get it, you've got to grab him in a second. And so, you know, I thought about it while I'm like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to give this Kelsey strategy a try. Um, can't say that I was extremely pleased with how it turned out, but I definitely learned a few things. And that is exactly why it's always good to do mock drafts like this because it allows you to kind of get an idea of what your team would be if you tried that strategy. Dennis, you were picking in the three spot. Uh, what strategy did you go into the draft with? I kind of went with a, you know, at one through three or four, you're, you're, you're going to typically take a one of the stud running backs. Um, and then I kind of went with the quasi uh, zero RB for a few rounds. I, I thought, well, let me take the George Kittle. I'm high on Kittle this year. I'm not as high on Ertz. If Kittle had Kittle and Kelsey had both been gone, I definitely would not have went Kurt or Ertz in the second round. But then, uh, then I tried to go running back for as long as I felt the value was substantially better than the or, or wide receiver for as long as I thought the value was substantially better than running back. And so I, I ended up coming out of the gate with a running back tight end, three wide receivers. I, overall, I'm pretty pleased with how it turned out. And then so I went ahead and took the sixth pick in the middle of the draft, and uh, I kind of just attack, or attacked it the same way I do most of my drafts, where I try to get a high-end wide receiver and or running back with my first picks and then just go kind of best player player available uh, there forward. So how the draft started out with the 1-1, it went Zeke, then Barkley, then of course Dennis there at Christian McCaffrey. Uh, I, I like Christian McCaffrey there as well. I would assume, Chris, you, you don't see an issue with that? You wouldn't have taken uh, Kamara or Johnson over McCaffrey? You know, I, uh, I, I'm thinking, I, I'm happy with that McCaffrey pick. You know, I think that was the right call. Um, 
I'm just going to throw it out there, though, that, that people, you know, are sleeping, I think, on David Johnson's potential this year uh, and, and for the future in that Arizona offense. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him start to creep up the, the uh, ranks as the season draws closer. Yeah, I, I agree. I think at four now, it's getting pretty co- close to a coin flip between DJ and Kamara. I, I just think Kamara, you know, when when he was the guy carrying the load, he wasn't nearly as efficient as he was when uh, Ingram was there. So Murray's going to get a fairly substantial number of touches. I don't think he's going to going to be an RB2, but I think Murray will be in that RB3 tier. Uh, but Kamara, they need to manage his touches to keep his efficiency high, and I think that's going to push DJ, who they don't need to manage his touches uh, as much. He's His volume may push him, I think, up above Kamara. So if somebody goes DJ over Kamara, uh, I honestly uh, wouldn't fault them. Yeah, I actually agree with both of you. And had David Johnson fallen to 1.6 where I was picking, I would have taken him there. I would have preferred to take him as much as I love Devontae Adams, who, was, who I came away with at the 1.6 spot. Uh, I would have loved to get DJ there because I agree with both of you. I think he's going to return back to one of those top running backs. I think he's sneaking back into that top tier there with those guys. A lot of people have been talking about that really those first four uh, are all kind of cemented in Zeke, Barkley, McCaffrey, and Kamara. Uh, I actually think David Johnson should be considered in that group. And then after that, I would kind of avoid a lot of the running backs in that tier because uh, I don't personally like those guys, at least where they're going. Uh, but as I just mentioned at 1-6, I took Devontae Adams, the first wide receiver off the board. Either of you have an issue with that pick? I think the argument can be made for, for Hopkins pretty strongly. I'd probably go Hopkins, I think, over Adams. Um, but Adam, you know, I, again, much like going Kamara over DJ or DJ over Kamara, I'm not going to split hairs with somebody deciding they'd rather have Adams over Hopkins. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm probably in the same boat as Dennis. I would go with Hopkins over Adams on in that scenario. I, I'm not terribly excited about things I'm hearing up in Green Bay with the with the new head coach and, and Aaron Rodgers doesn't sound like they're on the same page yet. So um, that may not affect Adams terribly. Uh, you know, so he's probably still going to be that wide receiver one uh, go to guy. But I just feel like there's you know more security with that guy down in Houston that never ever drops the pass. Yeah. Well, that is, that is very true, and it was hard for me to pass on Hopkins. In all honesty, the only reason I did it is it was a mock draft, and I own so many shares of Hopkins. I just kind of wanted to see the way my team came together with taking Adams there because I am a huge fan of Adams. He, he finished right there with Hopkins last year. I think he has a chance to finish as one of the best wide receivers in fantasy again this year as well. Uh, so that's why I took him. And, of course, with me taking Adams, Hopkins went right off the board next, followed by Melvin Gordon, Michael Thomas, and then you took Joe Mixon, who is another player that I'm really fascinated with and is on the end of this tier for the top running backs for me. I personally would have taken Joe Mixon before Melvin Gordon, uh, and I loved your pick of him there. Uh, the only player I might have taken over him 
would have been Juju or Odell, but that's just because I am a, a wide receiver truther. But I, I love the pick of Mixon. Uh, what do you say about the pick of Mixon, Dennis? I definitely think uh, Mixon was the pick there, much like you. I probably would have been okay with Mixon uh, at six or seven. I think Mixon is going to have a, a big year this year. Uh, I know the uh, there's been a little bit of talk with uh, oh, who's the Jonah Williams out of Oklahoma getting injured and being out for the season. But that just means Cordy Glenn is going to move back to left tackle. And while the team uh, struggled a little bit last year with offensive line, uh, Billy Price is back healthy. Uh, I think they're going to be okay with with the new system. And I, I like Mixon to take a step up this year. You know, he led the AFC in rushing last year. Yeah. He, he was fourth in the NFL in rushing. He, he, he's a three-down back uh I think he's better than Melvin Gordon. Uh, I definitely would move him up to probably my number six running back. So I don't have any issue taking him uh, two, three, four picks higher. So I think at 10, Mixon is a fantastic pick. Was there anybody else in mind for you there, Chris, or was it just straight you knew you were going to go Mixon? Well, you know, I, I did I did look at um, at at the Juju, Julio, Dell, all those guys that went there, um, uh, you know. But I I I really feel like over the years, my I, I tend to go with uh, if I've got a choice between the top a top wide receiver and uh, and and a really good running back that I like in the first round, I, I tend to go with that running back. Um, I, you know, because I, I you know, it, when you're dealing with PPR and you got a PPR back, you, you know, it's, it's virtually like having double point. So I, I just felt like Mixon was the guy to go with over those guys, even though I hated to see them all drop off the board after I picked them. Um, but I was pretty happy with with getting Mixon there. I think he's in due for a smash season with the new head coach Zach Taylor there. All right, so after Mixon went off the board, we had Le'Veon Bell and then Juju Smith-Schuster finished out the first round. Uh, going into the second round, you had Julio Jones, Odell, and then this is where you took Travis Kelsey, as you mentioned here at the beginning of us talking about this. Uh, I, I was kind of surprised that you did that. Again, now that I know what you were going for, it makes a little bit of sense. Uh, you know, obviously, for me, I, I'm one of those people who prefers to wait on tight ends. I know once you pretty much get past, it seems like Kelsey, Ertz, and Kittle, everybody else is kind of in a drop-off there. So I would rather try and build my team another way. I would have loved to take as much as I don't like Mike Evans, Evans or Gurley possibly there. Um, and then obviously you talked about why you took Travis Kelsey. Uh, Dennis, any thoughts on that before we get to Chris's thoughts on Kelsey? Not really. I, I think Kelsey is the clear number one tight end going into the season. And, you know, we, he showed last year whether Hill is there or, or Hill is not, he's going to be able to get uh, a high volume, and he can do a lot with it. So he's clearly the, the top guy there. Uh, grabbing him at 2-3, I don't really, you know, I didn't have any issues with it. I probably, the issue for me came at, at the, his third-round pick. So I, I think if he had went a different direction there, uh, he'd probably be happier, but you know I don't have any issues with Kelsey there. 
All right, and then you're just you want to add anything else to your thoughts there on taking Kelsey in the second round? Sure, just just briefly, you know, you look at Kelsey. Uh, you know, he does. I think he is in a, in a tier. I mean, and that's it. Tier one tight end, Kelsey, and everybody else starts with tier two. But uh, and, and I guess you know, with with that, you, you feel like you kind of get that feeling like. You know, there's only a few of these guys that are really going to be consistent point scorers, and tight end is such a frustrating position. My thinking was solidify the tight end position, and then I can figure out, you know, even as we get into the season, if this was a, a season a draft that was going into a real season, I can figure out who I'm going to pick up off the waiver wire to fill in some of these other spots. That tends to be one of my specialties, too, but uh, finding those sleepers. But, uh, um, you know, that, that's kind of the thinking I was going for. Solidify that tight end spot, lock that guy in, and you know, and then and then go get the guys off off of waivers and maybe trade that are gonna uh, increase the team's uh, value. Yeah, and, and I actually don't think that that is a bad strategy if that's the way that you want to go because, as you just pointed out, you with you getting Kelsey, you know pretty much every matchup you go into throughout that year, you're going to win the tight end battle. The only ones you really have to worry about is when you go up against Ertz or Kittle, depending on who the matchup is for them and, and just that game that week. But you know pretty much every week you're going to win the tight end battle, so that's a, that's a win right there for you. So, so I do agree with you on that. Uh, after Kelsey, we had Todd Gurley go, then Mike Evans, Dalvin Cook, and then it came to me. Uh, I took Nick Chubb, part of that being my Browns homerism. I, I do think he's going to have a little bit of a better year than James Conner, who was the only other player that I was really considering there uh, because I knew I wanted to take a running back. I really had hoped Dalvin Cook would fall to me. He didn't. Uh, so I took Nick Chubb. Either of you have an issue with the Chubb pick? Now, I think the Chubb pick is a great pick, especially uh, with word that Kareem Hunt may have been in a bar fight this weekend. Yeah, I saw that, unfortunately. Uh, I, I don't think it – I think that's much ado about nothing myself. But I, I also – I'm not one – as much as I believe that Kareem Hunt is a really good back, I don't think Kareem Hunt is going to come in in week 9 or 10 and, and all of a sudden be splitting carries with Chubb. If Chubb struggles or if Chubb gets injured – then Hunt is going to get some touches, but if not, he's going to be a change of pace. And Chubb is—they're going to dance with who brought him, which is going to be Nick Chubb and Odell Beckham and Baker Mayfield. So Chubb is going to—you know—they may get take two carries a game from him or something to just keep him a little bit fresher going into the, the playoffs to make that Super Bowl run. But I don't have any issues with taking Chubb right there. Neither do I. Neither do I. I think you know, that's a perfect pick for that spot. Um, high value pick. And um, you know, as I, I kind of figure that Kareem Hunt was going to get into the mix uh, as we go along. Now, obviously, this is before uh, before the uh, rumors about the bar fight and stuff. And did the draft, so yeah. Um, kind of felt like Kareem Hunt was going to get into it. Maybe he won't. Um, you know, but uh, it was. It was a, a gamble that I took later on in the draft. I'm sure we'll get to it. But, yeah, I, I mean, Chubb is a great pick there. Yeah, yeah, I was actually kind of kind of pissed when he took Kareem Hunt because I was hoping to get him to kind of back myself up with having Chubb there. I thought that he'd go – I was hoping I could actually get him around later than when you took him. So we will – 
definitely discuss that when we get to it. But then, of course, as I mentioned, uh, James Conner went after me, T.Y. Hilton, and then we got to Dennis, who took George Kittle. Uh, and again, uh, not again. it's just because I like to go a different route. Not that it was a bad pick, because we all know I love George Kittle. Uh, not as much as Aaron Arms does from the back row show, but I do love me some George Kittle. I would have tried to get Keenan Allen, Thielen, or Antonio Brown, who all went right in that row uh, after George Kittle, but that is who Dennis took again. He does win that position every single week, as we talked about with Chris. Uh, Dennis, just kind of your thoughts on, on why you took Kittle there, and then we'll go to Chris to his thoughts on that pick. Well, it, it was more about, you know, I don't usually take a tight end here. I'm a, I'm a weight on the tight end guy. And so I thought, well, let me try something a little bit different. Uh, the value at wide receiver was still going to be pretty high for the next three or four rounds. And while I could have went Devontae Freeman you know, Leonard Fournette was still available. Carry on Johnson. I felt they were all, you know, later round picks. Uh, yeah, Allen, Thielen, Brown, I, all good picks there. For me, it was more about let me try going running back tight end from the three spot and see how it plays out. Am I going to get uh, some depth? How will how will I how will I construct my running back? position if I do it that way. And I, I feel like it was kind of a, a fun experiment to do. Yeah, you know that uh, I, I, I like Dennis's reasoning there, you know, I mean, you look at the, 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 the depth behind that and, you know, obviously his third pick worked out pretty well in my opinion, uh, you know, which we'll get to in a second I'm sure, but uh, you know, I, I think it's a, an interesting strategy again, like you said, Matt, this is why we do these mocks to see how these things play out. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm okay with that. All right, so after George Kittle, we had Keenan Allen, Adam Thielen, Antonio Brown. Or I'm sorry, Adam Thielen was the the end of the second round. Then starting up in the third round, we had Antonio Brown, Devontae Freeman, and then Dennis was up again and took A.J. Green. Uh, I love A.J. Green. I think he's in for a good year. The only player I would have taken there uh, is Stephon Diggs because I think he is in for an even bigger year than A.J. Green. I think he, he's going to break out and be right on the verge of a top 12 wide receiver this year. But I do love the A.J. Green pick. I think he's being wildly undervalued right now just based on the injury and what he did last year. Uh, your your thought on uh, on getting Green there in the third round, Dennis? You know, I, I think Green is going to have a, a really nice bounce-back season. Andy Dalton's healthy again. In retrospect, when I look at it, uh, I probably would have taken Diggs uh, over Green nine out of ten times. Uh, I, I believe Diggs is gonna have a breakout year just like you do and you know uh, Kirk Cousins is a later round QB target for me and uh, looking at this I ended up getting Cousins in the yes, 11th so and so yeah. I would have preferred to have the Cousins digs stack there but I'm not unhappy with the the green pick I, I really like uh, AJ Green this year I think I think he's going to be back from his foot injury and his toe injury. I think he's going to put together a really nice season. He finally uh, has a, you know, the Bengals have a really balanced attack with Mixon, Green, and Boyd. If they can keep a tight end on the field without breaking him for, you know, six or eight games in a row, you know, they could have a, a, end up having a really nice bounce back season overall. 
Yeah, AJ Green. I mean, you know, that's to me. You know, you're you're getting a, a, a potential first round talent right there in the third round. It's a great pick. I, you know, I I understand the argument with Diggs, and you know, you're you're talking to a Vikings fan here. Um, I would still take AJ Green over Stephon Diggs this year. Okay. I would. I I think Green is gonna is gonna get it done uh, with the new offense. Even even with the quarterback he has, little well, he's a little himself, right? But um, it's, it's it's just the guy that the quarterback he is. But uh, yeah, I, I I think I love it. I love the pick. Right, so after Green went, we had Damian Williams, Leonard Fournette, and then I was up and I took Stephon Diggs. I was hoping him or Green fell to me. I was extremely happy to get Diggs. I, as me and Dennis both just touched on, I, we both think that he's in for a huge year. So to get him in the three spot, especially if he does break out the way that I think he could and finishing close to a top 12 wide receiver for me, that, that was a steal. Uh, your guys' thoughts on getting Diggs? I, I think Diggs was a steal there. Um, dropping all the way to the – Three six could could end up being the best value in the entire draft uh, that we did. I, I think Diggs is uh, going to have a monster year. Yeah, Stephon Diggs, it's a great pick there, Matt. You really hit it, you know. And uh, I would have definitely taken Diggs ahead of Damian Williams. You know, no, no guarantees there with Williams, and I would have taken him ahead of Leonard Fournette, who went right before. Absolutely, I don't. I don't trust under Fournette uh, a potential output for the year either. So, Diggs for sure, absolute one hundred percent, right there is a great pick. So after Diggs, we had Carryon Johnson, Aaron Jones, Amari Cooper, and then this gets to Chris's pick here that Dennis was talking about. He took Patrick Mahomes. Um, this is a an interesting pick, and I'm I'm, I'm interested to hear why you did it because again, I'm. I'm one of the people who loves to wait on QB, but much like Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes is in a tier of his own, I would say, at quarterback. I know many think, and and I kind of do think that Andrew Luck has a chance to be right there with Patrick Mahomes, but I don't think there's many other quarterbacks that are right there in that group. I think it's Mahomes and Luck. So, again, you do get possibly the best quarterback as well right there in the third round. Uh, just kind of your thoughts and your strategy on why you took Mahomes there. Yeah, at first it was the uh, at first it was the, the thought that, you know, okay, let's, let's pair up Mahomes with Kelsey, you know, and have that, have that stack there. Um, and, uh, you know, just uh, being on Mahomes since, before he was, since he was really drafted, you know, kind of had that a little bit of um, nostalgic uh, uh, love for him there. And uh, admittedly, after doing it, I thought to myself, well, that was certainly a mistake. I uh, should have waited. Um, and, uh, but I, I, you know, I, what can I say? I, yeah, I would have done something different if I had. Probably, you know, Dennis said earlier, nine times out of ten. I think nine times out of ten, I would have done something different. It, you know, it's it's hard to fault somebody when they take the overall quarterback one, even as early as the end of the third round. I, I saw something on Twitter earlier today. Somebody had posted that uh, they were t- talking about Mahomes and being drafted. And they're like, you know, if he had thrown 15 fewer touchdowns last year, he'd have still been the QB one. Yeah. 
Jeez. So, yeah. so you know, it, the the it's a it's okay value. You know, the hard part is. So let's say you take Amari Cooper, uh, or no, you you take uh, who who went after? But I don't really Jacob like any Henry. of those immediately yeah, after you picked. That that's my kind of thought on it too. Is that it's, I don't hate the pick because looking at what came after after that, there's not anybody that I really love that went after that. And like even his wide receiver, there's only one wide receiver that went to spot after him that I would even think about taking over him. So. Looking at the way the board fell, it's kind of hard to fault him for taking Mahomes because I, I don't think there's much value before or after his pick of getting Mahomes. Yeah, I, I concur. So, I mean, I, I, get what, uh, I get what you're saying, Chris, and getting it, but as we talked about with the, with the daily fantasy stuff, you love to get that double up. So not only did you get, you get the double up of Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, who are both also possibly the best players at their position. So I don't think it's a bad pick. At all, I think the one thing that probably hurt you a little bit, and, and part of it was the uh, I, I don't want you want to don't want to say faulty mechanics because someone could draft like this, but we did have a team that went like straight six RBs, which is a little you're you're likely not going to see that in a draft, which kind of depleted the running back depth after that part, because after that you yep. had Josh Jacobs, Derrick Henry, Zach Ertz, David Montgomery, and then you took Julian Edelman. And I don't think that's a bad pick at all. I think Julian Edelman is in for a really good year. Uh, I think Brady is going to lean on him more than anybody else in that offense. And in a PPR league, that just helps you out even more. The only other wide receiver I would have even considered, but I still would have taken Edelman over him, would have been Brandon Cooks. And that's the player who went right after. So your kind of thoughts on getting Edelman there, and then we'll get Dennis's thoughts on that pick. Yeah, it was very similar to your to to what you said, Matt. I mean, Brady is going to, you know, Brady's back. Gronk is not back. Uh, Edelman is his trusted guy, and you look at Edelman's stats last year. Uh, you know, seventy-four receptions in twelve games. I project his receptions uh, this year. He plays games are going to be in that ninety-three to ninety-eight range. He's going to be that go-to guy. He's going to be, um, you know, the guy almost like that, you know, like James White out of the backfield. He's just going to be that automatic point scorer every game for the for the Patriots. You know, he's going to be that that safety valve guy. And um, he, he seemed like, I, I you know, as far as the Rams receivers go, I really struggle. I've had Brandon Cooks in a lot of leagues, and I feel like I've gotten burned by Brandon Cooks in a lot of leagues. And uh, I just, and then Robert Woods right behind him. I just don't have the confidence that Robert Woods is going to maintain his level of production. So at at four five, drafting Robert Woods felt high to me, or at four three, drafting Robert Woods felt high to me. I still struggle with Edelman. Uh... I don't know. I'd have probably. I, I'm almost certain I would have taken Cooks over Edelman. He, uh, yeah, I think he's going to get a, a decent amount of targets and probably have a fairly high reception number, but he's not going to get a ton of yards, I don't think. And I feel like we're set up for a Sony Michelle 15 to 17 or 18 touchdown season which means Edelman also isn't going to pick up a bunch of touchdown passes. They'll, you know, they'll go to Harry, they'll go to Lacoste, and they're going to hand the ball off to Sony Michelle. So 
I think that's going to push Edelman's value down when it comes to uh, anything besides PPR points. So I, I struggle. You know, I think Cooks isn't going to get near the volume that Edelman is, but he's the deep threat, and he's pretty consistent. He, he gets touchdowns. Uh, he gets the long passes. And, and the Rams do pass an awful lot. The, the Patriots, I think uh, Brady is starting to, to wind down, and they're not throwing quite. I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it feels like their, their pass attempts are starting to come down. You know, they're investing a lot of money in the, uh, a lot of draft capital in the running back position. So I think that, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if he wins two more Super Bowls the next two years, but I feel like it'll be on the back of the defense in the running game. All right, so as we've touched on a couple times here, Brandon Cooks went right after Edelman, then Robert Woods, Marlon Mack, and then it came to me, and I went Kenyon Drake. Uh, obviously, for anyone who's listened to the podcast knows uh, I'm a huge believer in Kenyon Drake. I think this is finally going to be his year to really kind of break out new head coach, new coaching scheme offense. Hopefully he'll be able to be given the ball and prove exactly what he's worth. We've seen it on limited carries. I think that he can do it with the full workload. Um, I did think about obviously taking my guy Philip Lindsay and Sony Michelle right there, but I knew Drake would not fall back to me, so I went ahead and took him there. Loved getting him as my RB2. Uh, your guys' thoughts on getting Kenyon Drake there in the, the fourth round. Would you have gone a different route, or were you guys would you have taken Drake? I was probably more stunned that you took Drake over Lindsay than I was that you actually <laughs> took Drake. I know Lindsay's your boy there. I do love me some Philip Lindsay, but uh, it just goes back to a lot of what we've talked about. I do think Royce Freeman is going to be a little bit more of a thorn in Lindsay's side this year than he was last year, and I just don't see anybody else competing with Drake in that backfield. I do think Drake is going to be the unquestioned one there. Yeah, I, I like Drake here. I, I'm a Kenyon Drake fan, and I, I think he's a very dynamic uh, runner. He's a good pass catcher. And Miami does, it's not like Miami has this broad array of weapons. It's Kenyon Drake, it's Mike Gesicki, uh, it's a bunch of wide receivers. Uh, Preston Williams being the one I hope to take over. Uh, so we'll, we'll kind of see what happens with the new regime there. But I feel like Drake is the guy to own in that Miami offense. Definitely. Yep. I, I'm, I'm good with it. I'm good with it, too. Um, Philip Lindsay is awfully tempting to me. He would be the, the other the other guy that I would go with there. Uh, and, and maybe maybe a passing glance at Kenny Galladay there, too. But, I mean, knowing you already got through really good receivers uh i can see why you know you'd want to even that out with your rb1 two to go out your wide receiver one and two mm-hmm. um but let, let me ask you let me ask you guys something now we know a little bit more over about the tyreek hill situation uh over the weekend and, and amazingly enough it sounds like he may not get much of a suspension at all would yeah you know matt you know, now, you know, being a few days later, where, where are you at on, you know, if you had to revisit that, are you still sticking with Drake? I would just because I have Adams and Diggs. I just don't feel that I would need Tyreek Hill. Um, however, if 
I had known this a couple days ago, I would have taken Tyreek Hill where I took Diggs, if I'm being honest. I, I don't, obviously I know none of us condone what he is being accused of or whatever happened off the field, uh, but as a fantasy player, he is an elite option, so had he been available in the third round, I would have taken him over Diggs in a heartbeat. Uh, not that I don't love Stephon Diggs, I do, but just Tyree Kill's upside and obviously boom potential with Patrick Mahomes would have had me taking him there at three. Uh, I just I like to try and balance my teams. I do think obviously having Tyree Kill over Drake would have been huge, but then if you look at kind of some of the running backs that were left in win right after that had I not taken Drake I think would have really kind of screwed my team at least depth wise running back if that makes sense for sure and I, and I also think, too, now with you bringing that up in the news that it's likely he's going to get, at worst, a four-game suspension, I imagine he's likely going to go in the third round of most drafts. Now, I can't imagine he falls uh, to the end of the fourth round, which is where he went in this in this uh, draft. So after after Kenny and Drake, we saw, again, Philip Lindsay, Sony Michelle, then Dennis came up and took Kenny G, Kenny Galladay, a big fan of his as well. Dennis, uh, your kind of thoughts and, and strategy on taking Kenny Galladay right there? You, you know, I, he's the, the number one in Detroit, and I, I know Marvin is still there. He's coming off an injury, though. I, and Stafford has shown that he can support a couple wide receivers, the, the biggest concern I think I have in uh, Detroit will be how much Daryl Bevel decides to run the ball. You know, if he starts to take the shorten the clock and take the air out of the ball, brings the play count down, uh, you know, those are all things that could negatively a- affect Kenny Dall- Galladay. But Galladay is going to be the red zone guy. Uh, you know, he, he'll definitely be the downfield guy. Him and Marvin both. You know, they've got a couple jags in the slot. Um, you know, I, I think in the fourth round, late in the fourth round, uh, a number one receiver is, uh, is awful hard to pass up. Uh, I'll, I'll first say that, that uh, you know, that, that the bevel situation is my main concern there. Uh, I think it's a good, you know, a good pick at 410. Uh, if we were looking at a, a Jim Bob Cooter still there, uh, I probably would have definitely grabbed Galladay at four three uh, instead of the, instead of the pick that I made. Uh, I mean, he was definitely in a consideration uh, regardless uh, at the four three. Um, but yeah, I, I I think that's an excellent pick there. Number one wideout, um, Stafford, of course, is a cannon arm. Hopefully, his back is uh, better, and um, uh, you know he's he's going to be looking for Galladay uh, in those key situations. Uh, where points are going to be scored. Right, so after Galladay, we had Tyreek Hill go again. Not None of us knew at the time when we did this mock any of the news with Tyreek Hill, so there was still a lot of talk about him getting an eight-game suspension, so none of us can fault uh, and all of us for passing on him and him falling all the way to the fourth round there, and then Cooper Cup finishes out the fourth round. Going into the fifth round, we had Mark Ingram, O.J. Howard, and then Dennis jumped back up and took Tyler Lockett. Uh, I like the pick based on what we see in Seattle now, the obvious connection he had with Russell Wilson. And last year, if they can replicate that, he's going to be a high-end upside uh, wide receiver, too. So getting him as your wide receiver three was a great great pick in my book. Uh, your thoughts on taking Tyler Lockett there, Dennis? Uh, I get it, much like Kenny Galladay, he's the number one receiver, and I'm getting him in the fifth round. You yeah. know, I, 
I'm looking at the other options that I could have taken at receiver were Ridley, Godwin, Williams, Landry, Alshon, Jeffrey. You know, I, I don't know if any of them really provide the value. You know, I, I could see Ridley matching if, if Atlanta goes off and r- throws the ball a ton. Uh, you know, they've definitely got the weapons to do that. Uh, I, th- I feel like Seattle is going to still be run heavy, but they're going to, I think they'll throw the ball a little more than they did last year. Uh, and Lockett is going to be the main beneficiary. He's, he's the clear number one wide receiver there. He can do more from a, a route concept than I, I think anybody else there in part because he's been there and he knows the offense. He knows what they're doing. He knows what he needs to do. He can move around. He doesn't have to play just the X or the Y or the Z. He can play any of those positions. And so he's, he's going to be the number one there. And it, again, my strategy was to take the elite running back and, and then stay away from running backs for the next few rounds and kind of see how the team shaped up. And with A.J. Green, Kenny Galladay, and Tyler Lockett, I I think I got three wide receivers. You know, they're definitely the top wide receivers on their team. You know, whether all three of them can uh, approach wide receiver one status, uh, we'll have to see. But I definitely feel like I, I could see these guys all dropping in between, you know, eight and 16, which is uh, a really good spot to be when you're constructing a team. For sure, Dennis, I agree with you. Uh, Tyler Lockett, I mean, you, you hit three bombs in a row there with Green, Galladay, and Lockett, and that's exactly what Lockett is going to do. He's gonna, I'm, like, uh, I'm like the Babe Ruth of drafting wide receivers there. <laughs> that's right. But that's, that's what Lockett is going to do. He's going to catch bombs from Russell Wilson, and you know he's proven that he does not need to have eight, nine, ten receptions a game to put up really good fantasy numbers. He's proven that. And uh, now that he's stepped up to that wide receiver one echelon, I think, you know, I can't argue that pick at all. It's a great selection. All right, so after Lockett, we had Calvin Ridley go, then James White, then I was back up. This was the one pick that I, I questioned a little bit for myself, and that's Darius Geis, and that's just because we don't know if he's going to be fully healthy yet, but I wanted to get another running back. I, I personally love to throw running backs that can catch the ball into my flex spot. I think in a PPR league, that just gives them a little bit of an added bonus. I feel like they have a, a little bit more... I guess, chance to, to produce more in, in all fantasy leagues because there, there's a better chance of them getting the ball more often than a wide receiver. Uh, but again, him not being fully healthy yet was a little bit of a question mark for me. Uh, but really, there was only one other guy that I thought about taking. Actually, two, and it would be Chris Godwin and, and Jarvis Landry. I honestly thought both would fall to the second, the next round, which they did not. Uh, your guys' thoughts on the Darius guy's pick? I don't know if it's... A reach, I, you know, his passing game chops are, I think he's better, you know, you, you like to say he's better than people give him credit for, which I, I agree, but I don't know necessarily what that means at this point. Um, he can, he's coming off the knee injury, they've got a, 
a gr- good backup in Adrian Peterson, so they don't have to rush him. So the potential is there that I don't want to say 2019 could be a lost season for Geis, but it could be one of those you know 750 yard seasons because they're kind of just working him back and and stuff. And and it's one of those draft picks that could really pay off. Let's say if you make the playoffs. But it, it's one. It's also one that might not be a ton of help for the first eight games of the season, because he's gonna barely. He might barely be flex worthy early on because he's splitting time with Thompson and splitting time with Peterson, and, and you know they've got a three-headed monster. And maybe he has a game with 15 carries, and then maybe he follows it up with a a seven carry and a 10 carry game. And and so I, I feel like that. 2019 could provide some uncertainty for Geis. I think next year, definitely, I think he's going to be the unquestioned number one there in Washington. Yeah, you're talking about uh, a, a guy there that in his last two seasons that in college uh, carried the ball 420 times, had over 2,500 yards on the ground, um, and, uh, well, he scored 26 touchdowns, too, but 36 touchdowns. Oh, sorry, 26 touchdowns um but uh you know he's not i'm still concerned about that about his ability to catch the ball out of the backfield a little bit um uh, kind of you know i think it maybe is a little bit of a reach here but um looking at the guys that are behind him that that uh that you might have had to to go with and that third uh for that third running back i mean of the ones that are left, I might have might have selected Chris Carson uh, at that spot, but uh, of course, obviously, he's got Penny behind him too. Just like guys has a pretty crowded backfield to deal with as well. So, yeah, that's I, I think you know it's a it's a little bit of reach, but still a good peg. So after guys, we had Andrew Luck, Aaron Rodgers, Chris Godwin, and that put Chris back up on the clock and took Mike Williams. Uh, I like the pick. Uh, I do think Mike Williams obviously is in for a big year with the departure of Tyrell Williams. Again, I, I personally probably would have gone Jarvis Landry just based on the PPR value. Again, that's also probably some some Browns homerism coming out there uh, as well because he, he I don't think he's quite as talented as Mike Williams, but I thought it was a, a great pick for you to kind of secure your, your wide receiver two position. Uh, Chris, your thoughts on taking and Mike Williams there. Yeah, and, and Landry was right there. It was you know, literally like, you know, I want to make the pick. Who do I want? Who do I want? And uh, I decided to go ahead with Williams. I, I think that you look at his, his scoring last year, he, you know, he's in the end zone 10 times. Um, I think that you know, and, we, and we know how, kind of how Keenan Allen can be. He's kind of starts off slow and kind of ramps up as he goes through the season. Um, Williams, I think, is going to wind up being that guy that that uh, Philip Rivers really counts on. You can get him the ball uh, in, in, in tight situations. You know, basically, he just needs to throw it up where Williams can go and other people can't. Uh, you know, I think he's this year we're going to see, you know, it's that magical year for the wide receiver, we're going to see him kind of turn into something pretty special out there in, in uh, Los Angeles. I love me some Mike Williams, and I think at the 5'10", 
That is a, an outstanding pick. I probably, I, I definitely would have taken Mike Williams at the 5-6 over Darius Geis. You know, I, I, don't, I don't think he's going to regress from the touchdowns too much. I could see him maybe dropping from 10 to 8. But I think his playing time and targets are going to go up to the point that it's going to render that uh, effectively, it'll still be a net gain. Uh, because of the more targets, more yards. So even if he loses a couple touchdowns, I think he'll still be good. But he's a he's a big dude. He's a touchdown maker, and so getting him at at the the five ten is certainly a, uh, a a steal in my book. I would have taken him over Jarvis without blinking. All right, after Mike Williams, we had Jarvis Landry go. Then Tevin Coleman finished out the fifth round. Going into the sixth round, you had Chris Carson, Deshaun Watson. That put Chris back up on the clock, and he took Tyler Boyd. Chris, your thoughts on taking Tyler Boyd right there? Well, again, this is another guy that I think is going to take advantage of being that uh, that guy, uh, you know, that uh, – that, that's in a new offense, uh, in, in that Ram-style offense. And I think, you know, Boyd is – he, you know, he really came out of the team last year, came out of nowhere, uh, and, and really uh, surprised a lot of us, probably. Uh, but he can fill that, that role uh, of, that, of that go-to guy, uh, that go-to pass pressure across the middle. Uh, I, I think Boyd's output is going to go up where it was last year, and that was more than happy to, to take him at that spot. No, I, I love Tyler Boyd. I think he had a great year last year. Uh, he showed that he can be very productive across from A.J. Green. The only thing that concerns me is that when A.J. Green went out, his production didn't go up. So... If AJ's back and other guys start to take a step, let's say John Ross does something, or one of the other guys they have, Auden Tate or Alex Erickson, one of these guys starts to be productive. They start using Giovanni Bernard in the passing game. You know, where's that going to come from? It's not going to come from uh, AJ Green. Those targets are going to come from Boyd. So my, my concern is that because Boyd didn't step up when Green went out, that we may have seen his ceiling and that it, we may have seen his peak and we're, we're headed back down. So uh, I like Boyd. I, I hope that I'm wrong. But, uh, you know, that's the, uh, that's the one concern that I have with him. Yeah, I love the Boyd pick. I think he, he's right there, as Chris, you were saying. I think he's going to be a really good wide receiver this year. Um, I, I do have a little bit of worry with the A.J. Green stuff, as Dennis was just mentioning, but I still think if Boyd stays healthy, he's going to be a rock-solid, probably mid- to low-tier wide receiver, too. And so, again, to get him as your, your wide receiver three, much like Dennis did, and getting two wide receiver twos to, to fill out that wide receiver two and three spots, I thought was a was a home run for you. Uh, after Boyd, it was Tariq Cohen, Sammy Watkins, Lamar Miller. That put me up. Uh, and, honestly, I took Baker Mayfield because Chris took Tyler Boyd. He is who I was hoping would fall to me. Uh, would have loved to have taken a wide receiver there. Didn't see a wide receiver I really liked on the board. Thought a couple of the guys that went off early in the seventh round would fall to me, which they didn't. So your guys' thoughts on me taking Baker in the sixth round? 
I definitely think he was the next quarterback. You know, I, I suppose the case could be made for Matt Ryan to go there. Uh, I don't think Breeze, who went a couple picks later, I, I would definitely wouldn't have taken Breeze there. Uh, felt a little homerish. Uh, you know, I, I might have, I might have went Dante Pettis uh, over over him. Uh, maybe even Christian Kirk. I could have seen. I could. I suppose I could probably make the argument for DJ Moore or even Allen Robinson over him. But uh, I don't hate the pick. I think Baker's going to be a probably a top five, top eight at worst quarterback this year. So I, like I said, I don't hate the pick. I think when the season, when we're at the end of the season, we're wrapping things up here in January. You're gonna, you're one, two, and three quarterbacks in, you know, uh, for fantasy points. They're going to be Mahomes, Drew Luck, Baker. I love and, it. I love it. And and I and you can you can talk to the back row guys. I, I'm good when it comes to quarterback evaluation and uh, as far as predicting where they're going to come out. Uh, and you know, I was on Mahomes last year, and uh, and, and uh, but I really think Baker is going to be right there. He, I kind of think it. You know, overall, my projections are more like Luck's going to finish first, Mahomes second, and Mayfield third. But, and he's he's going to have a, a an enjoyable year. Browns fans are going to really enjoy watching him play football. Yeah, I think those are spot on projections myself. I have luck as my QB one, so. Yeah, we actually yeah. just uh, we just did uh, last week. We were talking about quarterbacks and how they would finish higher or lower, and that was our our biggest thing was debating between uh, Baker and I believe it was Deshaun Watson right there for like the three and four on how we thought they might finish. So I, I, I agree with you. I love the project, projections, and I'd love for Baker Mayfield to finish that high because I own him in a lot of places. Uh, after uh, after Baker, we had Darrell Henderson go, Drew Brees, and that put Dennis back on the clock, and he took his guy, Rashad Penny. Dennis, why'd you take Rashad there? You know, I felt it was the, the value in wide receivers was starting to, to wane. And I'm, I'm a believer in Penny. I think he's going to take that job. I think he's going to have a great year. You know, in this draft, what do we do? Fifteen rounds. I only took four running backs, and and after the first round, I waited until the sixth before I took my second one. So, I you know, Rashad Penny is an absolutely dynamic runner. It it hurts me because I also like Chris Carson a lot, but what I think is that Seattle is probably still going to lead the league in rush attempts. And it's going to be a situation where they'll be able to support both backs for a time. But when all is said and done, I think Penny is the better runner. Chris Carson is good, but I think Penny is better. And at this point, I was looking at uh, potential running back options. There were some I felt okay waiting on. Um, and, and so I did consider uh, wide receivers here, but 
you know, I like Rashad Penny, uh, and I'm a big fan. And so for me, it was uh, the spot to go. Uh, I really, I really could have gone uh, with uh, with Kirsten Kirk here. I would have been fine doing that. Uh, same with Dante Pettis. You know, I think uh, you've got potential there for you know yet again, uh, you know, another wide receiver one uh, that you could wind up at either spot there. With that said, uh, there's every potential by the end of the year that Rashad Penny will be the RB one in Seattle. In which case, you know, you you have a, a, an extremely good working team, uh, head, you know, taking the field for you uh, each weekend with, uh, you know, first the number one go to guy at, you know, at, at every position that you drafted so far. So it's, it's a, another another good pick. It's you know, obviously there's risk involved uh, with some of the. With uh, you know, with, with Chris Carson there, I would add that taking and investing in Seattle's offense, investing a couple of picks in Seattle's offense, um, you know, that's probably about as much as anybody should spend on the <laughs> Seattle offense. Yeah, I as much as I hate on Rashad Penny, I, I really didn't have an issue with the pick. Um, just looking at the way your team was going. I felt like you probably needed to grab an RB, and there really wasn't anybody else in that tier that I really loved. I mean, obviously, I'm a huge Miles Sanders fan, but we just don't know what he's going to be in Philly right now. Uh, and I'm, I'm right there with Chris on the wide receivers. I'd have loved to take Christian Kirk, Dante Pettis, or Robbie Anderson there. But again, looking at your team, you had just taken Green, Galladay, and Lockett, so it would have been hard for me to pass on a running back there, too, knowing you just had those three guys uh, and chances are you would have been able to get one of them in that next round. So after Penny, we had Alshon Jeffrey go, and then Hunter Henry finished out the sixth round. Going into the seventh round, you had Robbie Anderson, Christian Kirk, and then you came back and took Miles Sanders as well to kind of add into that running back depth. Why, uh, what were your what were your thoughts in taking Miles Sanders there? Was it just to add into some more depth, or you wanted to grab a running back with a lot of upside? Well, it was crazy to me that Josh Jacobs went in the third. David Montgomery went in the fourth, and we're all re- all the way down now at the seventh. And Sanders was still on the board. Um, I definitely think he's got a ton of upside, three down capability. There's going to be a little bit of learning of a learning curve. I I think uh, Jordan Howard is definitely going to get some carries this year. He, he's a, I think Howard is a solid back and definitely a flex-worthy play most weeks. But I feel like Sanders really fits that Philadelphia offense well, and they're going to want to give him a shot to see what he can do. And when I look at this, in, in this draft, you know, we only have to start two uh, running backs. And so McCaffrey is one. And it, as long as McCaffrey stays healthy, all I have to worry about is the bye week. And between Petty and Sanders, and then all the way down in week uh, round 13, I took Deion Lewis. That gives me three guys to match up play and see if anybody actually establishes themselves as, as the leader on their team. So I feel like I've got some good options at running back because I have a really, really strong wide receiver group. So I, I feel really comfortable with Sanders there. And 
Yeah, it seems like every year, running back, rookie running backs, two or three of them just pop out and do really well. And Sanders has the talent to be one of those guys. For sure. Uh, you know, one of Sanders' biggest fans is uh, the guy that went at one two, Saquon. He's he's been uh, you know he's been a quarter to see that you really think Sanders is going to be special. Uh, the only question in my mind is how much time Doug Peterson is going to give him. You know how, how many how many touches are going to get out of him? Um, you know, might have gone Pettis there, but. Really, you know, it would for me it would have been between Sanders and Pettis, and um, you know, thinking about what Coach is talking about with his strategy, I think it fits that, that spot pretty well. So after we had Miles Sanders go, Dante Pettis went, Evan Ingram, then I jumped up and I took Will Fuller. I was honestly hoping Pettis would fall to me there. Uh, the reasoning I took behind, with taking Fuller there was I knew likely, again, as Dennis talked about, we only had to start two wide receivers. You had, did have two flex spots in this league, so I thought given the boom upside that he has, if he stays healthy in that Houston offense, he'd be a great second flex for me and third wide receiver, so that's why I took him. You know, DJ Moore, Allen Robinson went a little bit after him. Might have been better picks, uh, but I went ahead and just took the upside uh, that I thought Will Fuller had. Again, staying healthy. Your guys' thoughts on the Will Fuller pick? Well, I, I think Will Fuller would have been a great pick if this was best ball. You know, I, I'm not a Will Fuller fan. Uh, I don't think he provides the type of consistency that I like, and, and I'm okay with some volatility. I just, I, I don't know, I, I'm not a Fuller fan. I'd have definitely went DJ or Allen Robinson uh, over him. I might have even went Vance McDonald over him. Um, I, I'm, I, I don't, people that like Fuller, people that want Fuller, more power to you. Fuller's just not one of my guys. You know, it, it's one of those things where, you know, Fuller's on the field and you, you look across the other side and you've got New Hopkins over there and and you just, you just, you're always, I find myself going, man, how can I, how can I trust the Fuller production? How can I trust it's going to be there? And then, and then it shows up and, you know, and it, you know, he, he does when he's on the field. Now, granted, we've had a lot of Will Fuller injury when he's on the field. He is a producer, and even even with Hopkins there. Now, I, I think that uh, at the same time, I always wind up passing on him for some reason. Uh, you know, and and so I, I think it's a solid third wideout option there. Um, I probably would have wound up passing on him again. I probably would have gone. In a different direction, maybe the Vance McDonald direction, maybe DJ Moore. But, uh, yeah, I probably would have passed on him there, too. All right, so after we had Will Fuller go, we had Eric Ebron, DJ Moore, Allen Robinson. That put Chris up on the clock, and he took Kareem Hunt. Your thoughts on taking Kareem Hunt there at the seven ten spot? Well, again, thinking, you know, this is before the, uh, the, the alleged uh, bar fight showed up here this weekend uh looking at it thinking you know and, and i'm going to preface this by saying i do really like nick chubb um 
But I do think in a head-to-head, I mean, if you take throw all the other things out, um, you know, off the field issues out of the way, who would you rather have in your backfield? And I'm going to choose Kareem Hunt. So I, I, I think that at that point I was thinking, you know, yeah, he's going to be still a bench spot for a while, for the first few weeks, of course, which is going to hurt. Um, but given the limited choices for running back that I had at that point, I needed to start throwing some darts, and that was my dart for the seventh round. Yeah, I, you know, I don't feel like I, – I think Kareem Hunt at this point is a uh, a, a dynasty play. Uh, like I said when we were talking about Chubb in the second round, uh, unless something happens with Chubb, I think – Hunt is going to be a bit player. I, I I feel like they they'll be able to hold it hold on to him for another season. Uh, it's it's good for them. They've got him at a at a, a an affordable deal, and and I think they can. Uh, he might be an exclusive rights free agent or something like that. So they'll be able to to keep him around into next year. So they're not going to lose value if they don't play him a ton. So I, I love Hunt's talent. Um, I, I probably, I, I'm kind of avo- avoiding him um, unless it gets, you know, he's kind of one of those guys. It's like, I, there, there are guys that, every, I, everybody has a price. And, and generally guys for me like Hunt, my price is just way lower than most people, and so I never end up with them. So, you know, I don't hate the pick. I, I definitely think he's a good running back, and I could definitely see myself being wrong about his production after he comes back because he's good. And and let's face it, in the NFL, talent matters, and he's got some. Yeah, I mean, I, I personally love the pick. I, I, I do – somewhat agree with Dennis and that I don't think that when Kareem Hunt comes back, he's going to, I don't think it's going to be a 50, 50 split. I do think Nick Chubb is going to get a bulk of the work, but Kareem Hunt is too talented to keep off the field. Uh, again, as much as I love Nick Chubb, if you were to put, as you were just saying, Chris, both of them on the field together at the same time, Kareem Hunt is just the better player. So I do think he's going to produce and get you points. And even if it's something where he's not able to start doing anything till weeks 11, 12 or 13 of the fantasy football season, to get a possible, you know, a overall talent-wise, RB1 on your team at that point uh, is a big deal that would really help you out in the playoff run, so, so I love the pick. Uh, we are running a little close here, uh, or cutting it close to, to being out of time here, so what I'm going to do is just kind of go down the rest of your guys' teams and get your guys' opinions on that. Um, so at the 8-3, you took Ronald Jones. 9-10, you took Jalen Samuels. And 10-3, you took Carlos Hyde. So a little bit of a running back run there. Uh, I personally loved all three picks for you. Uh, loved Ronald Jones. I think he you know, is being criminally underrated. I think he has a really good shot to break out this year. I already know Dennis is going to disagree with that. Loved Jalen Samuels, especially in a PPR league. We saw what he could do last year. And then obviously... Like the Carlos Hyde pick as well, Dennis is someone who very much believes Carlos Hyde has a chance uh, to be the best running back in Kansas City. So to get him in the 10th round, I thought was a huge steal for you. Your thoughts on that kind of three running back run there? 
Yeah, you, you know, you pretty much summed it up. I, I, I feel like I feel like that 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 Bruce Arians. Yeah, it, it it was the it's the perfect opportunity if Ronald Jones is going to be doing something in the NFL. It, it's going to be uh, under Bruce Arians' tutelage. Uh, you know, and, and there's really nobody in his way. Peyton Barber is a jag, just the guy. So I, I, if Ronald Jones is going to get that opportunity this year, so I figured, you know, at that spot, I could go that way and feel pretty good about it. Jalen Samuels, uh, again, like that PPR option. Then Carlos Hyde. You talk about Carlos Hyde. You know, this is this was my this was my uh, my RB one dart because if Damian Williams comes out of the gate low. They are going to switch. Andy Reid's going to switch to Carlos Hyde uh, like a bolt of lightning. And if Hyde gets a chance to touch that ball 25 times a game, uh, he's going to do nicely in that Kansas City offense. Very nicely. Yeah, I love me some Carlos Hyde. Uh, Yeah, I I don't think Jones is going to happen. I, I know a lot of people want to make it a thing. They want to keep giving him... You know, oh, it's only his second year. You know, but the dude can't catch, and he gets knocked over by a, a miscut blade of grass. So I, I'm not on the Jones train. I, he's, you know, I, I I said earlier that everybody there's a price for everybody, but Jones is way down there for me. I I I don't. This would have been one of those situations. Honestly, I don't know if I'd have taken Jones if he was available. Uh, I probably would have taken him, you know, 12th or 13th round if he was there, just to, as a dart throw. But I, I'm not, I'm not on Ronald Jones at all. Jalen Samuels, I think, is going to have a consistent role. I don't think it has a particularly high ceiling unless he gets a touchdown. But he's somebody I could see getting, you know, four catches. And in PPR, that's going to definitely, you know, that's going to give you. You know, I, I can see a, a, a seven or eight point game consistently from Jalen Samuels. You know, Hyde, I think, is being slept on. I'm I'm not a Damian Williams guy at all, which I, I probably should stop saying that because I took over an orphan that ha- I have him on, and I can't seem to trade him for decent value. Um, but then again, I'm always talking about how much I, I dislike him and don't think he's very good. So that's probably my own damn fault. All right, so in the 11th round, you follow that up with Dante Moncrief. And at the 12th spot, I thought was one of the best picks in the draft, if I'm being honest. You took Josh Allen. And then in the 13th round, you took Deshaun Hamilton. I loved your last two picks there. Uh, with Dante Moncrief, I've never been a Moncrief fan. If it were me, I would have taken Curtis Samuel or Paris Campbell, who went after him. Uh, Why do you just really like Dante Moncrief? And then obviously your thoughts on, on Hamilton and Josh Allen, who I, I thought really were were knockout picks for you yeah i i I really felt good about every single one of those i think it's a great spot for all those guys to be in uh you know josh allen is a fantasy producer he's going to keep doing it Uh, i think deshaun hamilton could wind up being the wide receiver one in denver pretty easily and i'm pretty sure that mark is going to put up some good stats this year so i felt good about all three of those moncrief to me i think is He's an enigma. I think he's one of those guys that's going to end up with the uh, reputation of being a better pro NFL player than fantasy asset. Uh, 
I think he, he flashes occasionally, but I just, uh, I don't know. I, I struggle with buying into him. I think he's had a couple of opportunities to be the man, and he's failed both times. Uh, and, and so if it happens, it happens. I mean, Brandon Lloyd did it. We talked about that with the back row show. Uh, I don't. I don't think Dante Moncrief is going to have the old six-year breakout, but uh, I could be wrong. I love Josh Allen. If something was to happen to Mahomes, I could see Josh Allen, you know, carrying this team. And uh, Deshaun Hamilton, yeah, I'm not sold that Emmanuel Sanders is coming back at the beginning of the season from that torn Achilles. I mean, he's a 31-year-old wide receiver with a torn Achilles. And, and yeah, it's great that he's rehabbing, and it's gonna be, it, it'll be a nice story if he does. But I think that's Deshaun Hamilton's role now, and I, I think he's going to play that slot receiver, that inside role, uh, the wide receiver two and two wide sets. And uh, I, I, I love Cortland Sutton, but I could also wouldn't be, I also wouldn't be surprised to see Hamilton lead the team in receptions uh, and, and overall receiving. So I think that's a great pick in the thirteenth round. All right, so how I finished out my draft, I took Nikhil Harry at 8.7, which hurt me quite bad taking him there. Uh, at 9.6, I took David and Joku to, to pair up with Baker Mayfield. 10.7, I took Devin Singletary. 11.6, probably one of my favorite picks in the draft were my next two, where I took at 11.6 Curtis Samuel and 12.7 Naheem Hines, and then finished it out with Anthony Miller at the 13.6. Uh, just my thoughts on those really quick. Love Curtis Samuel. I think he's due for a huge year in – uh, in my goodness, I was going to say Kansas City. I know he's not Kansas City. In Carolina, uh, I, I just love the weapon that he is. I think that they started using him the right way toward the end of the year last year. Could be a great weapon for Cam Newton. Love Naheem Hines. I think he's going to be the receiving down back. He's going to spell Marlon Mack. And when Marlon Mack gets hurt, which we all know is going to happen eventually, he is going to get a lot of run there. And then, of course, Devin Singletary, I thought was a great upside pick there in the 10th round uh, as someone who believes LaShawn McCoy is not long for the Buffalo Bills roster. I think Singletary has a shot to be the one there in Buffalo. So to get a, a number one running back on a team that late, I thought, was was a great pick uh, in, in my defense. Uh, your thoughts on the rest of my draft there, Dennis? You know, I think, uh, you know, Nikhil Harry is a rookie wide receiver. If he produces... At, at any kind of moderately high level is, is going to be an outlier. I do think he's going to get the opportunity. Uh, I, I think they like him. I think it'll come down to how well does he learn the playbook. Uh, if he does, Harry's going to get some opportunity. I love Nico, N- Njoku's, Jesus, I can't even talk. I love Njoku's ability. Uh, a little trouble with his hands occasionally. My concern is that now there are so many mouths to feed in Cleveland that somebody has to uh, starve, and I feel like it's going to be Njoku. It's not going to be OBJ, and I don't think it's going to be Jarvis. So if you give them a combined, let's say, 250 targets – where where who gets the rest of, who gets the lion's share of the rest of them 
it's probably not in Joku. It's you know, there's Callaway, Higgins, uh, Duke Johnson. You know, the rest of them are going to get spread around pretty thinly, I think. Uh, and with Injoku not being as efficient as some of the other guys, I, I think that uh, that may that may be a a, a little some a, a little opportunity. Uh, I definitely, if I'm drafting Injoku, I'm I'm probably going to try to pick somebody up later, just in case. You know, I I like the I like to pair Injoku with Jack Doyle. Because Doyle's kind of the opposite. He Doyle is going to average nine yards a catch, but he's not going to drop anything. So he might get seventy-five targets and have sixty-two receptions. Uh, but Njoku might have seventy-five targets and forty-five catches with at you know sixteen yards a pop. So single, I I agree with you on Singletary though. I think he, he's he's. Uh, starting to look like he might get fast-tracked into the RB1 spot there in Buffalo, and you know that could be a great pick. Samuel needs to continue his breakout, and and Hines had, what do you have, uh, 56 catches last year, 62 catches last year. So he, he's uh, well on his way to establishing uh, a role. Uh, my concern with Hines, though, is, is uh, as somebody who is a Marlon Mack believer, um, Mac is a good pass catcher, so he gives the offense a little more versatility than uh, having Hines on the field does. So they're, they're potentially could see a little bit of a uh, drop in his production. Anthony Miller, I think, is a good good pick at, in the 13th as well. Miller looks to be the wide receiver, too, in Chicago. Now it's just going to come down to is Mitch Trubisky going to take uh, another step in his growth as a quarterback? Yeah, I, uh, you know, I like Harry, like that pick. You know, I think it's a, a good pick for that spot. Uh, obviously, he fills a fills a void there created. Doing, I agree with Coach on Injoku. I think he's going to wind up getting kind of the short straw as far as number of opportunities he's going to suffer. Uh, Singletary has the potential to be that RB1 up in Buffalo. Very possible. Just like Curtis Samuel has, has a great opportunity to really take another step forward this year uh, Carolina. Hines, I could, you know, I could do with them or without. You know, I, I really have a, a strong feeling that Colin Max can be a really successful back this year uh, and really take his claim as the unquestionable running back one in Indianapolis. But, uh, you know, like I said, 12th round, go ahead and, and grab that guy. And Anthony Miller, um, you know, watched him a lot last year. Of course, he's in my, my division. They're in the NFC North. Um, uh, got a potential to be really good. Um, I do have some concerns about his quarterback and whether or not he will be considered. Uh, to really make Miller a good wide receiver. But, uh, yeah, you know, great great grab at 13 six. All right, and then to finish off Dennis's draft here, so and I actually love the, the, the way that you finished out your draft here. So at 8-10, you took Cortland Sutton, 9-3, Sterling Shepard, 10-10, Marquez Valdez-Scantling. At 11-3, you took Kirk Cousins, 12-10, you took Paris Campbell, who I was hoping 
would fall, and when I saw him on the board, I just knew you were going to take him, and it broke my heart. And then really the only pick, and not necessarily that I had an issue with, uh, was Dion Lewis there at 13-3, because I do think value-wise that's a great pick. I, I don't think he'll do much, but if anything were to happen to Henry, he could be uh, do at least produce something in fantasy, and that's a great pick at 13-3. So your thoughts on how you finished out your run there in this draft? You know, I... <laughs> I, I think Cortland Sutton is is a great wide receiver uh, in the making. He's got all the tools. Now it, it's year two. Can he take a step from last year? Um, you know, the quarterback situation in Denver last year was terrible. I'm not sure it's a whole lot better this year with Joe Flacco. I, I feel like it's it's going to be better. And I think with Drew Locke in a year or two, it'll be even better. Um uh, but Sutton, you know, he, he's good speed, okay route runner, uh, can play the game well, great high pointer, can go up and get the ball. And so I like Sutton. He's, you know, he's the number one, he, he's the prototype number one there in Denver. You know, like I said uh, on, on Chris's team, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Hamilton ends up as the wide receiver one in Denver. But my, my money right now is on Sutton. Uh, Sterling Shepard at 9-3. Uh, Shepard has been fairly consistent. That that team now doesn't have, in my opinion, they don't have a bona fide number one wide receiver. They've got uh, Sterling Shepard, Golden Tate, Corey Coleman, Evan Ingram. So any anybody could be that number one. And Shepard has been there uh, for... I think this is going into his fourth year now so he, he's when he's had opportunity before he stepped up you know obj has missed a, a bunch of games and Shepard has had to step up before and i think there's a good opportunity for him uh to do that again this year in the 10th i'm an mvs fan i love marquez valdez gandling uh i think he was the most ready to play last year and I don't think he's done anything since last year uh, going into this year to, to take a step back. I do think some of those other receivers in Green Bay uh, have moved forward with uh, Allison getting healthy and uh, ESB, who, who's a, a very big physical receiver. Um, Kirk Cousins, you know, he's one of my late round targets. I, I can think he's uh, in for a great year. Uh, Paris Campbell in the 12th. So, riddle me this, Batman. So, A.J. Green, Kenny Galladay, Tyler Lockett, Cortland Sutton, Sterling Shepard, Marquez Valdez-Gantling, and Paris Campbell. I could have seven wide receiver ones for their teams on my team. <laughs> yeah, you could. That would be, you know... This team, you know, I could I, I could take it in the behind with running backs, but, man, my wide receivers could kill. Uh, you know, Paris, I, I, honestly, I don't think Paris, is, Paris isn't going to surpass T.Y. Hilton. And uh, in his rookie year, probably not uh, surpassing uh, Devin Funchess either. But I think Paris is going to have a pretty good year. He, he's definitely a weapon and and some somebody i think andrew luck is going to be really excited about getting the ball to uh Deion lewis i think lewis kind of much like uh 
Jalen Samuels is going to have that very defined role. You know, he, he's not going to play. He, he may only play 50% of the snaps. He may only get six or seven targets a game and two or three carries a game. But in those, you know, six touches, I think he'll be able to put up, you know, eight points per game. And the way I built my roster being wide receiver heavy, I think shuffling Rashad Penny, Miles Sanders, and Deion Lewis in my RB2 spot uh, puts me in a pretty good situation. Yeah, you know, the, the just some more really just knockout picks here, I think, uh, Coach. You know, Corlin Sutton, uh, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm down with that. You know, he's going to put up some numbers. Uh, and and you know, Shepard, of course, basically the main man in New York now. Uh, MVF uh, in Green Bay. Uh, you know, anything happens to Devontae Adams, and MVS is going to be right there. Um, you know, and the uh, the way that they're uh, the latest that I've heard out of Green Bay, anyway, is that they're running Adams and MVS in their in their one or in their two wide receiver packages. So it looks like he is the two there. Uh, Kirk Cousins. Uh, Captain Kirk, you know, I, I think uh, I, I really hope you're right. I really hope he's uh, in for a monster season. I'd love to see him hit uh, Diggs and Thielen and, and and all the rest of those guys uh, for a lot of points this year. Um, and you know, with the, the uh, where Thielen and Diggs are being drafted, that that uh, you'd have to say that Cousins is uh, lined up for a big season if those guys are going to hold their value. Paris Campbell, I love Paris Campbell. I uh, definitely would have uh, was in my consideration for picking down here at the uh, in the final couple of rounds, um, and, and uh, yeah, definitely a guy that Andrew Luck is going to go after. Uh, Deion Lewis, honestly, I could I could live without. Um, uh, you know, not a big fan of the Titan offense all around, and that's why um, I just don't expect much out of them, and. Uh, um, I guess that's that. That's my reasoning behind uh, my sentiment on that. Yeah, I, I considered Matt Breida there, and looking at the draft, there were some later picks of uh, Justice Hill. Uh, ideally, I think uh, if if Peyton Barber would have dropped one more pick, I'd have probably taken Peyton Barber at the thirteen three, but he went at the thirteen two. So uh, I don't. I, I guess I don't really dispute uh, that premise about uh, the Titans offense not being super productive you know they're gonna they're another team that's gonna shorten the clock not run as many plays and that's gonna hamper Lewis's productivity all right well thank you guys so much for for joining me today and talking about this this mock it was a lot of fun Chris thank you so much for joining us and having a little uh DFS talk right there at the beginning of the podcast as well. Like I said, I'd love to get you back on as the season progresses or gets closer, uh, and we can do maybe a talk, just a full episode on DFS. You can give us a lot of pointers, especially since you're you're practically a millionaire now. So uh, we'd appreciate any help we could get if you could put some money in our pockets. Uh, let everybody know where they can find you on Twitter so that we can have our our listeners following you as well to get some DFS tips and everything. Well, I appreciate that, uh, and you can find me on Twitter at football nuke uh, at football nuke on Twitter. Uh, also, <laughs> back row fantasy show, <laughs> the backrowfantasyshow.com, and uh, click on that right 
and uh, read up on a little articles there. Uh, and I just really appreciate you guys uh, uh, inviting me on and uh, and uh, really appreciate this time to talk to you guys and, and learn a lot more from you. I really enjoyed uh, listening to, uh, uh, to some of the, the podcasts here leading up to this and uh, uh, really, really like the, the content that you guys are putting out. It's good stuff. Uh, we really we appreciate, appreciate that. that. Uh, Dennis, let everybody know, obviously, where they can find you on Twitter and if you've got anything coming out soon with the Dynasty Nerds. Well, I am at culture underscore coach on Twitter. Uh, you know, you can find me tweeting and retweeting and voting on your polls uh, and all that fun stuff. Uh, just if you have a question, feel free to DM me. I'm more than happy to answer any questions and uh, try to be uh, as much help as I can. But uh, one thing I want to bring up, uh, you know, Scott Fishbowl is going on. We're getting ready for the draft and all that fun stuff. And, and I was uh, honored to be chosen to be a participant this year. So that's pretty exciting. But uh, one of the things I'm doing is, uh, you know, I, I don't know how low the list goes on celebrities. I'm, I don't think I've achieved D-list status yet by any means. But I did set up a, a celebrity eliminator with John Bosch. Uh, and the that from Dynasty Game Night, so uh, you can go on and if you go donate some money to Fantasy Cares, go to uh, ffpodcast.com or go to John's uh, pin tweet uh, on at John Bosch FF, and uh, you can select the celebrity. And if you go to FF Roundtable, that's going to be me. So it's a, it's a, a eliminator league. So basically, there's me and sixteen people. And once that thing gets filled up, you know, we'll have a draft. And uh, the lowest uh, score gets knocked off every week. I guess that's the way I understand it. So the lowest score gets eliminated each week. Uh, uh, it's all to help raise money for Fantasy Cares. Last year, the Scott Fish Bowl and uh, all the satellite leagues and things like the, the Fantasy Cares Eliminators that John runs uh, raised almost 44000 or over $44,000. Uh, for Toys for Tots, to buy toys for kids last year for Christmas. Um, and this year we want to we wanna beat that. So go get in a league with me. Let's do a celebrity league, and uh, we'll, we'll play an eliminator against me, uh, and I'll take all your money and I'll give it to charity. <laughs> that sounds like a plan. So seriously, both of you guys, thank you so much for, for joining me today talk a little bit on Mock Draft. I can't wait to talk to you guys again. Right on. Thanks. Thanks very much. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wrong line already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly! Only tackle him at the 40-yard line. Who can make a play? I can! Who can make a play? I can! 